Hello, and welcome to this Lancet Global Health podcast. Um, today, we are talking about Mexico, its public health insurance, and universal health coverage. So universal health coverage is um, obviously a very hot topic on the global health and political agenda. Um, there is in particular the United Nations high-level meeting on universal health coverage in New York on September 23rd. And the goal of this meeting is to create momentum and accelerate progress in key elements of universal health coverage, such as financial risk protection and access to quality essential health services and products. And, and of course, these high-level meetings always culminate with a political declaration. So there has been debate about the added value of these events to, um, to the universal health movement in particular. Um, it's true that progress towards the goal of universal health coverage is slow. And there are many, uh, still many unknowns. And the specifics of the progress achieved, the, whole, the how and the why specific interventions are able to deliver results. So as important as political support is for universal health coverage, one thing that is also crucially needed is robust evidence showing how efforts in to expand coverage are working in countries. And today, we are discussing research that is addressing this need. In the October issue of the Lancet Global Health, we publish a retrospective study on the long-term effects of public health insurance on the health of children in Mexico. And Mexico is a very interesting country because it has had a long experience with working towards universal health coverage. And this article um, brings welcome data on the impact this has had on child health. So to discuss the study, we are joined by two of the authors, Dr. Ricardo Perez Cuevas and Dr. Uh, Pablo Selhai. Ricardo is a family doctor who also has master's and doctoral degrees in public health. He's got extensive research experience and was also director of the Health Systems Research Center at the National Institute of Public Health in, in Mexico. Uh, before joining the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, Ricardo, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, Pablo is assistant professor at the School of Government at Pontifica Universidad Católica de Chile in Santiago, Chile. He collaborates with the World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank as well on projects within the health sector, and he does research on the effect of financial incentives on health, socioeconomic inequalities, socioeconomic inequalities in Latin America and the Caribbean, and much more. Uh, Pablo, we are very happy to have you as well. Well, um, thank you for the invitation, then. Uh, so, as I mentioned, Mexico has considerable experience with universal health coverage. Uh, Seguro Popular, the country's renowned public health insurance program, is currently somewhat in flux because of the ongoing health reforms proposed by the government of President López Obrador. Um, Ricardo, could you give us a brief overview of the public health insurance schemes available in Mexico, how they have evolved, and how their implementation relates to your evaluation, uh, maybe commenting briefly on the current government's reforms. Well, in Mexico, currently 92% of the population is affiliated with some form of public health insurance. People that work in the formal labor market are affiliated with a mandatory social health insurance, mostly at the Mexican Institute of Social Security. They affiliate about 62 million people. Mexico has 120 million people, so it's, it's a, a significant portion of the population. Also, state workers, oil workers, army, and navy uh, have social security institutions, about 30 million. But uh, the, the, the most important advance was in 2003, because the government realized that people without social security 
they didn't have any access or formal access to medical care. So people without Social Security are affiliated to the non-contributory health insurance program, Seguro Popular. By the end of uh, 2018, Seguro Popular reported 54 million people affiliated. Also, there are 80% of the population with private health insurance, and there, is, there are reports of 80% of those that lack health insurance, and those are that live in very remote areas, rural areas. So the, the main purpose of Seguro Popular was to narrow the gaps of inequity between people with and without Social Security. People without Social Security are the most vulnerable. Also, Seguro Popular aimed at increasing access to healthcare and provide financial protection against related expenditures. Uh, in, in simple terms, Seguro Popular has two packages of explicit benefits. One is the catalog of universal health services, a list of priority conditions for patients that receive care in primary and secondary facilities. And the other is the Fund for Protection Against Catastrophic Expenditures that finances high-cost, low-prevalence conditions like HIV-AIDS or cancer. And in December 2006, Seguro Popular launched the program Medical Insurance Century 21 to provide complementary coverage to children under five years. This program offers an additional package of benefits in addition to the intervention that causes and the Fund for Protection Against Catastrophic Expenditures Finance. So these are uh, the, the most important components of Seguro Popular. And it has been evolving throughout the years. The funds were increasing, meaning more financial resources allocated to provide public health insurance. And the number of affiliates also expanded gradually, and so the number of specific benefits. We call benefits the interventions that, are, that, that comprise medications, diagnostic tests, and hospital and medical care for specific conditions. Also, Seguro Popular promoted the separation of the purchasing from the provision of care and promoted to set standards of personnel and infrastructure. This process we called accreditation for the health facilities. Only accredited facilities were entitled to receive the funds. And the facilities of the Ministry of Health are the primary, are the primary Seguro Popular providers. There are also uh, private providers, but there are very few. And the program in particular of this study, the program, the Medical Insurance Century 21, followed the same rules of Seguro Popular and the same procedures to affiliate children and accredit health facilities. And the program expanded gradually in the country and saw the number and coverage of interventions. The catalog of interventions grew from 108 to 150 and most focused on conditions responsible for high morbidity and mortality among children. In terms of coverage, Seguro Popular covered almost 90% of the target population, and that represents about 5 million children, equivalent to half of the total population of children in Mexico. So the, the duration of the program has been 30 years, and the research question for this study was, what are the long-term effects of health outcomes and financial protection of us, uh, uh, medical Insurance Century 21, considering the rollout and exogenous eligibility rules. And then the primary objective, well, more precisely, was to analyze the effects of uh, Medical Insurance Century 21 on neonatal mortality, which is very sensitive in Mexico, and long-term health outcomes, such as child morbidity and height. 
And the secondary objectives were to determine the effects on out-of-pocket health expenses and the demand-side pathways that could lead to improved health outcomes. Um, so in, in your study, you explore uh, the impact of the children's insurance on both health outcomes and on financial protection uh, by looking at its effects on out-of-pocket health expenses. So can you tell us um, what are the main conclusions and what new lessons can you draw from your results uh, for Mexico in particular? I think that it's a very comprehensive study in the sense that we uh, use several uh, different data sets available in the country to assess the impact of the children's insurance program on both outcomes related to health of children, but also a few outcomes related to uh, how the program was working to understand mechanisms that uh, could explain or relate mechanisms to the the, um, the effect on final outcomes that, that the paper finds. Um, so I would guess that the main conclusion is that uh, the program works in the sense that it, it works very well up to reducing um, infant mortality. So what we do is combine, for, for that outcome, what we do is combine um, vital statistics data from the country uh, covering about uh, 11 million children born and living in the country between 2002 and 2016. What we do is to identify what that data should calculate uh, neonatal mortality rates uh, and infant mortality rates, test whether in those uh, regions of the country where the program is being sort of phased in mortality rates of costs that are covered by the insurance are decreasing as the program starts to roll out. In, in those outcomes, um, what we find is that the, the insurance had, uh, well, no effects on early neonatal mortality, which is defined uh, seven days after birth. What we do find is that the program reduced um, somehow in had a large effect on late neonatal mortality that we defined as um, deaths uh, 30 days after birth. And in that outcome, we find um, reduction in 7% um, neonatal or late neonatal mortality in costs, uh, by costs covered to the, by the um, insurance uh, program. Um, what we do find also very interesting uh, and consistent with the idea of public health insurance is that the most substantial mortality reductions occurred in uh, those regions that before the implementation of the insurance program had higher levels of on mortality, so this would be um, regions that you could say were mostly mo most uh, socially vulnerable than the average region in the country. So I would say, in in, in terms of the most uh, important outcome, uh, we see that the program uh, was very success successful in reducing uh, mortality of the causes that it, that it covered. Being an insurance program, we also look at uh, survey data on household expenditures to uh, study whether there are important or, or, you know, or, or significant reductions in out-of-pocket health expenditures. And what we do there is to compare households in municipalities with and without the um, 
the, the program over time. And we see that there are um, important reductions in out-of-pocket uh, health expenditures. Uh, we see, for instance, that uh, when we code um, catastrophic health expenditures, meaning whether in that data we do it, whether your your health expenditures are above 10% of your household income, what we see is that there's a relative decrease in 15%, meaning that because of the program, the likelihood that a specific household um, um, suffers, you know, from catastrophic health expenditure is is, is, is reduced by 15% uh, because of the program. Um, and what I think is uh, an important message, because all the other outcomes are sort of um, our I would say obvious outcomes that we need to go uh, and look at when we were studying the effects of a health insurance program. But the next set of outcomes that we that we look at have to do with what happened uh, within the during the implementation of the of the insurance program. What happened um, in the implementation that you know created these um, important effects on mortality. Uh, nutrition and, and health expenditures. And what is interesting, I should say, from this, from this program is that it was not only covering uh, families or you know, improving access because now families have, uh, have insurance and now they don't have to pay for certain services. So, you know, you're improving or, or um, increasing, increasing demand. But at the same time, the program implemented uh, financial incentives to health providers to invest in quality, meaning that if a provider uh, signed an agreement with the National Commission of Health, then that provider, namely a hospital, uh, was eligible to start uh, receiving or, or being part of a new financial scheme, which was basically a new fee-for-service scheme implemented in Mexico. And to be able to sign an agreement with the National Commission of Health, these providers have to invest in quality, okay? Because they had to be certified, and once they're certified, they become eligible for the new fee-for-service. And what do we see when we study uh, the composition of hospitals uh, in Mexico over time? We see that as hospitals are signing agreements with the National Commission of Health, there's an important increase in in quality in different indicators. So one that is very interesting for us is there is a substantial increase in um, the number of doctors with um, that are not GPs but are you know they are obstetricians that have some some specialty beyond the the you know the the regular um, um, medical training. And that's important. That's important because most of these uh, causes covered by the by the insurance are related to uh, neonatal and infant mortality rates. So we do see a spike as as these hospital sign agreements a spike in in the number of obstetricians or pediatricians uh, that are um, working in the hospitals. Well, we also see an increase in the number of um, neonatal intensive care units, okay? Um, we also see an increased number in, in beds and temporary beds. So all of these indicators show that when you provide 
insurance or when you design a policy to increase demand for health services, that could be obviously insurance, but it could also be in developing countries conditional cash transfers. If you don't worry about uh, quality improvements also on the health supply side, on the provider side, uh, you may not be able, obviously, to have positive uh, effects on health if what you're doing is just changing the demand for services, but the quality for services is still you know, at very low, at a very low level. So I would say that one of the new lessons or a big contribution of the study is to show evidence of what happens when you combine these two instruments or policy instruments, one that increases demand and one that is improving uh, provider provider quality. Um, and that's and that and that that I think it's 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 quite novel uh, of the paper. Um, so that said, uh, if you if you take if we take into consideration uh, well evidence from our paper and evidence from pre evidence from previous papers on uh, the effects of the Seguro Popular, which is the big umbrella of the public health insurance here, the main conclusion is that these uh, programs are having positive effects on health, and they are on the right track, I think. Um, not only uh, you know uh, it, 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 we find significant health effects, but also significant effects of uh, financial protection. So, in spite of all the challenges that come with rolling out an equitable national insurance uh, in such a diverse country, um, the overall message of your study is positive. Um, it shows that expanding public health care insurance has put Mexico on the right track to attain universal health coverage, uh, with large benefits for the most vulnerable. Um, and we know that there are multiple paths to UHC, right? Um, countries are putting different schemes in place to attain it. Uh, but there are certainly useful learnings to share from your study. So, so how do you see it contributing to the, the discourse on, on universal health coverage in general? Well, first, is the study provides evidence that the policies of universal health coverage get the objectives of improving access and health outcomes and contribute to reducing the risk of hardship due to the out-of-pocket expenditures. So it, in, in our opinion, it's um, accomplishing the, the main objectives. Second, that I can mention, Latin American and Caribbean countries is, have a wide variety of their health systems configuration and a wide range of combinations to provide health care to their respective populations. So the capabilities of the health system to supply efficient and effective health services, the fiscal space, the health needs of the people, along with other circumstances, determine much the potential of the countries to reach universal coverage. Mexico has been uh, doing a great effort on that. Uh, in, from my perspective, universal health coverage is a common objective for the countries in the region. I have been in different meetings in which this is one of the main policies of the countries. Uh, prioritizing the population that will benefit the most, the conditions to cover, along with the creation of robust fiduciary procurement and evaluation mechanisms are the stepping stones. In this sense, in my opinion, Mexico has becoming a reference. Then our study demonstrates some of the benefits that public healthcare insurance can obtain in the short and long term on the health of children and the out-of-pocket expenditures. 
one of the main results is related, for example, to the height of the children. Those that were most vulnerable uh, increased by almost one centimeter of height. So that represents that they were able to, to get proper access to medical care when they were children because these children were school-aged children when we were doing the study. So they were uh, several years before covered by the uh, Medical Insurance Center 21. This is one of the examples of, that I can provide. Yeah, so a very concrete uh, number to put on this uh, evolution. Um, and I think overall these findings are really a valuable piece of evidence to help um, in moving towards universal health coverage. So Ricardo and Pablo, thank you very much for being us today to talk about this very important topic.